they were arrogant young men they had a mission and they were going to blow the rock scene to pieces in Dublin at the time these guys were totally aggro you know what I mean they were real angry young men they were dressed as heavy rockers and they knew where they were going you know what I mean nobody was doing rock bands at the time nobody was doing rock music at the time they were going to be the first band to bring it into Ireland big time this is a raw rock band never seen in Ireland before animals never mind the, the but sound the image they had would have been the same it's a just pure raw music unbelievable It's 1967. The band is the movement. Tell her reached number one that year. For Toto, the band's roadie. Rock and roll was born in Ireland then. This is the story of the movement. It's also the story of a search for a man called the Moose. How you doing, kid? Toto, is it? That's me. Uh, you were the roadie with the movement? Yeah. Sit yourself down? Yeah, no problem. I was a raw 15, 16-year-old kid, uh, still at school. Had a couple of evening jobs, part-time jobs, that type of thing, and uh, trying to pay my way through college and things like that. I was at secondary school at the time, so I was, I was kind of a rebel, you know. I was kind of a, a rocker rather than a mod or a neatly dressed guy because you have to understand, the show bands were the big thing at the time. Everyone was around. Everybody went around in suits and things like that and clean-cut image, you know what I mean, Ireland was a very Catholic holy place at the time, you know, so I was a rebel fascinated by rock music you know what I mean, so I sauntered down to the Club of Gogo, one of the main clubs in Dublin at the time so I sauntered down there and uh, we were just in there that night the boys come on I think at half nine about quarter to ten the maximum crowd you could hold in the Club of Gogo was between five and six hundred people it might have been more, but that was about my estimation of it as a bloke you know what I mean? That's actually basically what it was, a cellar, a wine cellar. And uh, so it was packed to capacity, so there was no proper ventilation, there was no nothing, no fire exits, exits nothing. It was just everybody cramped into a one little place. The boys come on. They used to start off with a number, I think, Gloria. It was a really kind of a raw rock, rhythm, really raw rock type of number, you know. You start out with a number like that, and uh, they just they, they just go, they just went from one number into another. Like I mean, there was no breaks between songs. It just went one, two, three, four, five. They did a first half of their session, you know what I mean, which lasted about an hour and a half. Then they had a break for about a 50, 20 or sorry, about twenty or thirty minutes. Then they do they finish out the night. Then after that, like you know what I mean, like it was a four-hour gig, like you know what I mean. They might do an hour and a half for the first session. You know, and then two and a half hours after that, like you know, that to finish off the night, like you know, so 
uh, it was just an extra point. And all you could do, really, if you're really into music, was just stand there and stare in, a, in awe of the whole thing. It was just belie- unbelievable. You just felt a whole... You just felt your whole body lighting up and you got a buzz inside, you know. I want to be one of them. That's what you wanted to be, you know. They, they were the first Northside band ever. The creatures, they were from the South Side. Dunleary heads, you know what I mean? And uh, they were playing all the tennis clubs and rugby clubs, OK? And uh, the Five Club was an elitist club. It was up in Harcourt Street, like, I mean... You wouldn't get too many birds from Ballymun and Cabra coming over to that. They wouldn't be let in. You know, they were rough type of chicks. So, uh, but they were lovely girls. They were down-to-earth girls. They weren't rowdy or anything like that. They were just where they came from, you know. Uh, although I was born and reared in the South Side. I'm a Bald's Bridge man, actually. I'm an outsider of the whole thing, really. I would say, in, in, in the height of our fame, as, as live gigs went... I'd say around 65, 66, we had a following of a couple of thousand people. We were just as advanced as London was, only on a smaller scale. We had a fantastic time. I mean, I attended, what, three hippie weddings up in Stephen's Green? I mean, the whole, uh, the whole, uh, how would you call it, uh, ceremony, the religious ceremony, the reception, everything was in Stephen's Green. It was unbelievable. I mean, there's a little bridge there in, in, in the park. The bride walked over the bridge and she was showered with flowers. It was flower power at the time. It was just pure love and excitement. It was a fantastic just drift. You were just like, it was just like you were in another planet, drifting through life. I mean, the, the, the six or seven years I spent with the movement just went like that, just so quick. For yourself, though, was, uh, were things like ever since as excitement as that period when you were... No. Short answer. It was a bit longer than no, not really. There's no, nothing compared. I have dreams about that period. Now, even as a 57 year, 58 year old guy, fantastic. I would do it all again a million times over. I don't care how I blew the money, what I wasted money, how I could have had a million houses. Doesn't matter. Made lots of money. No. You had to feel it, you had to live that. Fantastic. Fantastic time. Toto gave me Pat Quigley, the bass player's phone number. He used to play the guitar with an old penny. We arranged to meet. I was on my own in the house, and I was loud, rehearsing, and the man said, would you quote that down? I said, I have to keep it loud, you know, I have to get the idea of it, you know. And then wars came. Then I started introducing different fellas into the house and it was amplifiers coming in and the jam sessions and everything. It was all happening. It set a whole era around the area. It was like rock and roll land, right? You know, we were sitting around, tromping around with names and I came up with that name. We were trying to get a decent name. Uh, something that would be sort of, wouldn't be too heavy and wouldn't be, you could sort of swing between two lines, you know. Nothing that wouldn't be poppy, you know. And, but it, it, it worked. The name, you know, as you know yourself, the name is very important. And uh, it, it started to work and it took off and never looked back since. You know, I, I, and like even to this day, and this is, well, 30 years after, the only guy we, hand, we haven't met is uh, Moose. And to this day, I still don't know his name. 
just called him Moose. He was the rhythm guitar player. And, and the, the Dave Kearney, when he was there, he, the last I heard of him, he went to Canada. We actually broke... Um, the show bands had a grip on the... And what was, you know, it was popular radio plays, and we broke that one. And then when we broke it, other bands came in on it. And we set the pattern. John got poached with the show bands, so he left. And when he left, the soul went out of the band. It was, uh, it was uh, Alan, Alan, uh, myself. Dave Kearney, when he was there, the Moose, they left. Dave Kearney got poached to him into a show band. Uh, Moose gave up disillusioned I suppose but that left Alan and myself and it, it took its toll on me it took its toll on Alan Alan was near to death than I was I mean there was a time now where I could drink 30 damn points no bother I got home sober after 30 you know, I don't think there's to be proud of Tony will tell you that and Tony will tell you that if I drink about 6 now I'm had it it's all over you know I'm not even supposed to drink because I got a liver transplant and I was lucky Alan and myself were jemmied that um, we ended up with the same guy Dr Crow, Professor Crow and he saved us now I ended up getting a transplant it was through him because he used to follow the band so he's all back again to the movement isn't it he used to follow the band and um, he thought we were great and he said, I thought, like when I went in the first time, I said, when I see you're not married, I said, I thought I knew your face. It didn't look too good. I thought I knew you, he said. Turned around in before me, he says, me sorry, kick us downstairs. Mr. Quiggy, he's downstairs. Yeah, and so he, next, I'll come up. How you, Doc? I knew, I knew you, he says. I knew, I knew you. You and that other fella. The two is the movement. I knew I knew your face. Actually, the hazards of rock and roll. Look at the state of the two of us. Listen, you used to be your fan. Now we're your bloody fan, didn't we? <laughs> you know? He probably was laughing. He says, Cause look at you, yeah, you're very bad. Took a few weeks till the right one came along. About six, seven months. Then and out there. Guys, you Like Alan. Alan, you know, he didn't, didn't need a liver. All he has to do is lay down out the gargle a bit. You know, same as I do it now, but... I mean, that, that was us two on that band it's a different way it's, it, it, it's a different world it's, it's a totally different world it's not like a 9 to 5 or anything like that you know it's you start to live in a different zone you know it's fantasy land and then when it comes crumbling down and you get back to reality like going back to reality you know and I can't understand it I can't accept and I'm driving a stupid taxi now Jesus and I hate it as the man says, you plod your own venture, and you took it from there, and whatever way it ends, it ends. Johnny Farrell now is a businessman, and he comes over, and we bump into each other now and then, we have an old year, an old yap, and we always talk about the old times. And when they bump into Thunder then, and we all seem to end up in the same, in Doyle's corner there, he, he's living in Cork. I don't, and he plays up here in Dublin with a band, some Dublin pop group or something. Dave Kearney, the last I heard of Dave Kearney in Canada. Moose is driving a taxi, and I don't know where he lives, and I still don't know his second name. After years of playing with the guy.
attention please, the service now for Camden, disposable note for Chartley, from Dean Street, disposable serve, Cargilline, Crosshaven and Camden, disposable for Chartley, from Dean Street. By now I was on the trail of the drummer Alan Thunder, who was living in Cork. The moose was beginning to worry me. No one knew his real name. first drum kit that began with me from the early days in the movement and are still with me and it's really it's part of the movement history every time I look at the drum kit it transports me back to the movement I love them Monday night when my father came in from work I was upstairs in my bedroom he was after being talking to my mother and he said Alan, I said I really want to be music. That's when he said to me, if you're going to do it, you do it right. But get you the drums and you go to the school of music. Now, the drums they bought me at the time were in, were in. they were called Trixon. And at that time, the Trixon cost me, in the 60s, 300 quid just for the drums. So that was a lot of money. But not only that, my mother and father, but I appreciated them the second time around that my mother and father actually had to buy them on the HP. That was when it all started. With them drums, that enabled me to play with the movement. They were stage kit. They were a real kit of drums. And did, they, did the movement come to you or did you go to them? Well, it was actually John Farrell came to me. They sacked their drummer and I got the gig. Obviously, I took it. I mean, no room for sentiment in the music game. As I said, from the first gig on, was magic. I never just wanted to be sitting in the back and then another moody drummer. That wasn't me. This was the extrovert that used to come out on stage. I was quite introvert off stage. So I never just wanted to be a guy sitting in the back, back in a singer. I wanted to be more than that, even though I couldn't sing and I never learned a drum solo. So I eventually came to this conclusion that if you, do, if you do something or act something, put on a bit of a show for yourself, purely myself, I was supposed to take a drum solo and they might walk off the stage and let me do it. But instead of doing a drum solo this, this night in the Arcadia Ballroom in Cork, the stage was about six foot off the ground and John Farrell and the lads were walking off the stage for me to do a drum solo. So I just said, well, fuck you, I told you not to do it. And I got my drums, my double killer Ludwig, and I fucked everything into the stage, off the stage into the crowd, it was pandemonium. And it was brilliant, and people thought that was part of the act, but it wasn't. It was a part of a, a feeling on the night. I mightn't do it again for a week or two. And then all of a sudden, someone would say, here it goes, I got bored, and I just fucked my drums into the crowd. It was brilliant, lots of blood and screaming, and, but it was fantastic. Could you just tell me about when, <coughs> when John told you he was leaving the band? Or how, do you remember the, the moment you found out he was going to the Dreams, or when the, kind of, the movement was ending? Yeah, John, John uh, went for a drink. And John told me he was leaving. He got a he got a good offer that he couldn't refuse off Jim Hand. Like I, I was devastated because I was with John. We were there from the start, from Dingle Road, from the start. So that was a friendship breaking up rather than a member of a band leaving. 
because we did socialise together. But what's to be, what's to be? Uh, it was a very sad time for me. Well, I'm sure the rest of the lads too. But it just wasn't the same. We, we tried our best and it just hit the brick wall. I was with a man, a man named Joe Cuddy. And when I was over there, we were his band, but then he used to hire us out, hire his band out when we weren't playing to other people. Like a Phil Calder, Dana. I was playing with various people over there, and then you'd be only on stage for an hour every night. So when you go off stage, you'd be just, well, especially when you're living in London, I don't know about other people, but drinking just escalated. Went from there, and so I left the band in 1984 or something like that. And I didn't play for six years. What I mean by I didn't play, I was just drinking, basically. And, uh, and during those six years, if you weren't drumming, why don't you drunk it? I sold every, every part of it. And when I got better, I made a promise because they were with me in the movement. As I said, the movement's a major part of my life. People probably don't realise, or maybe other... But that was the best part of my life, was the movement. My best memories as ever playing with a band have been with the movement and still with the movement. But when I sold them drums, I wasn't really, I sold them drums for, purely for drink. When I wasn't feeling well, I got sick. Rather than phone an ambulance, I didn't want to upset anybody or have anybody frightened or running after me. That's when I found my brother to bring me, bring me that, bring me down to the hospital in a taxi, and I really got frightened then. From the uh, when I came out of the, the coma, a priest actually sat over me, anointing me, and that was frightening. Is this really happened? Because you don't think it's like you're. An outside your body experience looking back. And I at that stage I didn't know I'd only six hours to live. No but um obviously with prayer and skill of the doctors. And I didn't want to die, I wasn't ready to die, I was too young to die. No way. I had to fight. At this stage I was starting to get worried. I had the drummer and the bass guitarist. I had a way to get to the lead singer. But on the record, the rhythm guitar player was called Moose, and 38 years on, none of the band members knew his real name. I'd been told that Dave Carney, the lead guitarist, was childhood friends with Moose. Find Carney, and you find a Moose. I decided to ring all the Carneys in the phone book. Hello, is this the Kearney household? Yes. Hi, my name's Kieran Cassidy. I'm actually calling from RTE Radio 1. So I'm just actually ringing all the Kearneys in the phone book. No relation. No relation at all? Unfortunately, no. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Look, thank you anyway. Okay, no Bye-bye. Bye. No, not me. Not I'm not, I'm no, nobody chats to me. <laughs> no relation, no secret no. rock and roll uncle? No, or in unfortunately, the co- no. Okay, well, look, thank you anyway for taking the call. Okay. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
It doesn't ring any bells. You don't no. have any family members. Look, thank you anyway, okay? You're doing it the hard way, I see. I, I very hard way. Come on. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I was beginning to panic, so I decided to visit Roy Esmond, the former manager of the movement. Who was Moose? The name just rings the bell, but I don't know who Moose was. Uh, I'd have to look at the old photographs that I have to try and remember who was there. I remember, uh, and I remember Moose by name, but I don't remember anything else about him. He must have either um, disappeared from my scene shortly afterwards, or what was Moose like? Or we need some sort of a hint or a taste of him. What... I have no idea. <laughs> I can't remember Moose. Um, I can't remember why he was called Moose. I can't remember what his, what his real name was. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think at the moment. There were a few strange guys in bands at the time, so, I mean, nicknames wouldn't be, wouldn't be that unusual. Um, strange. I, I'm amazed, actually, that, he does, that I don't remember him, and I remember the other guys so well. But then again, I didn't remember... The lead Dave singer, Barney John Farrell, is now a successful businessman and spends most of his time in Spain. Would passenger John Farrell recently arrived from Spain and part of the movement group, please contact the information desk in the arrivals hall. Chuckum boogie, bum bum boy, the feathers blue. I'll be back, little girl, when your papa runs out of shells. That kind of the drum beat on it now made me feel something, you know? It was it was like, you know, it's like a pack of sweets, you just eat them, enjoy them and then it's over. Were you surprised that people were making a programme about... Absolutely amazed. I can't... Un- I cannot understand. I think... I'm saying, why? You know, why bother? We've done nothing, really. You know, in the scheme of things. We, we, it's only word of mouth. Because we didn't really make any music, you, you know, on record. And anything that was done in the studio involving me was rubbish. Because we only... I only ever spent... And all the time I was with the movement, we spent maybe two hours in the studio. You know, I mean, what can you do in two hours? And we'd never been in the studio before. And you're thinking about paying for it and lugging the gear up the stairs or whatever in the Eamon Andrews studio and then lugging it back down. And, and in a strange atmosphere and recording so cold, as I explained, about the, it's, it's impossible. It was just a joke. You couldn't do it. it, was, it you were in and you were gone. You know, and I was never happy. And any time I'd hear that record, I'd cringe. Because I, I can hear me, you know. I can hear what I was doing and, like, there's a little bit of wow or wow or something in the soul. I'm saying, Jesus. There's nothing to do. There was no money. Everybody that I knew was poor, you know. So, like, to try and make it in a group, to try and claw your way out of that was something else, you know. There was there was no chance if, if you got a trade or something that was great if you knew somebody could get your job as an electrician or a carpenter or something but sure I knew nobody and the same with Thunder I don't know what he worked at Pat was the only one with a decent job steady job pensionable job and he stayed at it you know I'd go up with my record player you know up 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 to the bedroom and I had a chest of drawers there was I had how many six there was eight of us slept in the one bedroom eight of my brothers and I had three sisters in another, in another bedroom eight brothers in one bed guys used to sleep down the end of the bed and some people at the top you know I was the only one I had a little single bed on my own in the corner my mother I was my mother's favourite I was the eldest son and she loved me you know 
but I, there was this chest of drawers and I had my record player on it and I'd save all my records I mean waiting for a new whatever to come out you know and listening to Luxembourg you know late at night I remember listening to the hospital sweepstakes program that they'd start off when you wish upon a star you know that music was the intro and then you'd be listening to whatever now Luxembourg they'd play that's the only station you could hear uh, pop music on you know rock and roll music and it was a dream like when you, when I seen Elvis first uh, nobody could be that good looking and Elvis Presley I mean who's Elvis Presley I never heard that name before Any nobody was called Elvis you know it was it was magic it was another world you know, you'd see ads in America, big fridges, and people were emigrating from here to go to the States. Like the uh, Gaffneys next door, the sisters went to, to America, and they'd come back with the big fur coats and flashing money around, and America's great, you know? And this was the rock. That's where you wanted to be. You hadn't, you hadn't got the bus fare into town, never mind go to America, you know? And that was the dream about the music. It was all tied in. I wasn't into what her dropping pills or smoking dope or whatever never appealed to me I'd have a couple of pints and that would do me you know up on stage I was alive I was in charge I always felt I was in charge when I got on stage the minute I got on stage I was in charge I felt at home on stage really always felt really in charge and at home I could blow anybody off the stage I felt that good but off stage I was went into a little shell and that was it why did you join a show band? For the money that I thought I was going to get. <laughs> it just transpired in 1967. Um, the, the Spotlight magazine is the big thing that everybody read. And I was voted that year into the top 10 singers in the country, which would include Dickie Rock. Brandon Boyer, Joe Dolan and whoever and I happened to be voted into that so here uh, me in this and I'm on the labour I don't have a shilling you know <laughs> earning about 10 quid a week and these guys were earning hundreds you know and that was it but there was a lot of interest then because uh, from show band managers the show band's Jim Hand contacted me and asked me was I interested in starting a band myself and doing what I wanted to do and I said sure and I met him in the Harp Bar in O'Connell Street for lunch. And he said, have a steak. Great, have a steak. Yeah, sure, have a steak. And then uh, we discussed it and he said, yeah, and I'd be a shareholder in the band and I'd have a say in who was playing in the band and so on. So I was happy enough with that. And then he said, you'll have to get rid of those clothes, you know, get your hair cut. I said, well, you know, this is what, this is what, this is what makes me, you know. He said, oh, no, you can't. So he said, go around to Best's around the corner. I have an account there. He said, get two suits. So I hopped off around, around the corner and got two mohair suits. And that was the start of it, yeah. But I never got my share in the band. <laughs> and plus, I didn't get to pick the people I wanted in the band, you know. Have you ever played any of your children, uh, sons, um, you know, any of your singles? No, I don't have any of my records. I don't have any records. I don't have any scrapbooks, any albums, no, nothing, nothing at all. And did you ever tell them anything about it, or? They know, you know, but I, I never, I never discuss it, or never discuss gigging, nothing. It's strange. I'm probably a strange person. 
I just I don't, don't I never mentioned never uh, there has been releases like there was a a CD released a couple of years ago of the top groups you know the top group singles in Ireland and there were two tracks movement tracks on it but sure I never bought it and there was a another album out last year Huckle what was it Hucklebuck Shoes and Dancehall Blues or something like that about all the big show band hits you know and I have a record on that but sure I never bought that either it doesn't bother me you know? that's true Alan's always ring me you know we must get back together but I say yes I will I don't think I've seen Alan for maybe the last time I seen Alan he was very sick I think he was in a, the Matter Hospital he was very ill and the same with Pat the last time I seen him he was in the Matter he was very ill but um, I, don't, I, I don't really see them at all very except like Tony the roadie would give a ring, you know, and say, "Hello, oh, how's everything? We must get back together, you know." And say, "Yeah, oh, t- yeah, Tony, sure." That's it. The last time I seen Moose, I I was out in the airport. I'd come back from Spain. It's so maybe could be it's a few four or five years ago. And I went out to get a taxi, and Moose was on the first in line for the taxi. And he said. Hello, John. How's it going? I said, how are you, Moose? How are things going and all this business? He says, oh, you go ahead in the taxi behind. So I went to the taxi behind. That was it. The last time I spoke to him. Sorry. Hey, um, my name's Kieran. I'm from RTE Radio 1. We're trying to do a documentary of tracking down a man who used to drive a taxi and he used to be nicknamed the Moose or Moose. Do you ever remember a Moose? Moose, moose yeah. Never out here doing it. I'm out 43 years at this job. And you've never heard of the moose? No, and I'd know him if he was, if he walked here, I'd know him. Okay. I'm walking this place, there's some chicken run here, <laughs> at the old building over there. Ah, uh, you can run, would you, can it? Um, do you know a guy called, he's a taxi driver out around this area, his name is the Moose. Did you ever hear of somebody? No. Doing it What's that? What national is he? Um, he's Irish, he's from Dublin somewhere. He used to play in a band in the 60s, so we're trying to track him down. So we, the lead we were given was that he was a taxi driver who was doing the airport route up to very recently. <laughs> no, well, I don't know him anyway, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. uh, you need a surname. You need a surname. That was the best lead I got so far, the moose operating out of the airport. But like everything else so far, it led nowhere. Do you ever hear of a taxi driver called Moose out it works out around the airport? No. Do be able to tell you down in the... At this stage, the producer was on my back, talking about deadlines. My friends were beginning to take bets on me. And then I turned on the radio and discovered Larry Gogan had been let in on the joke. Well, Teller from the movement was one of the biggest hits of 1967 on Spotlight Magazine's Single of the Year. Currently, RTE are making a documentary on the band and searching for the rhythm guitarist who is known as Moose. This one goes out to the Moose Hunter, Kieran Cassidy. The movement and talent. Then I went back to Alan Tundra, the drummer, to see if I could get any more information from him. I was given no choice. And just to walk out them gates and breathe the fresh air of Dublin again, I said, this is it, the new beginning. And I never drank from that day to this, and never will. Get the drum kit back. Somebody I knew I knew the lad in Cork. I knew he was always here. But even though he bought a new kit in in, in the time, I was just lucky. 
that he still had my other drums. Noel Bridgeman had my cymbal, 20-inch riot cymbal. A lad around from me in Cabaret had my bass drum, young lad Joey Clark, and another fellow I started teaching in them mangled years of drink. So I went back to these characters and they sold me back the drums. I just, just by luck, I suppose, but I couldn't believe it when I got the back. It was brilliant. The first step of recovery and back, back. That's the way I say it. And then I tracked down the, my snare drum to a lad in Arclo and he didn't want to sell it back to me because it was an original uh, maple snare drum. I eventually got it back for, for the price I paid for the whole kit of drums. They, they gave me great joy this year, so the money didn't matter. Just to get that drum back, that was part of my good, good times in life. So I have them now, and you've seen them upstairs, and they stay with me, never go again. And I'm back playing. All right, Alan. Great story. But what about the moose? Can you um, answer this question for me? What's the moose's real name? Moose? Yeah. Morris. Is it Morris? Morris. What's his surname? Moose. It's not Morris to Moose. Morris Moose. Yeah. Jared Mickey Mouse. Yeah. He's Morris Moose. <laughs> there we go, that's it, the movement there. And tell her, we are going to do it just for the quiz now in order time. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And you're all set to go, are you? I had my deadline, but was no nearer to finding the moose, so I decided to turn back to plan A. Find Carney and you find a moose. Even though I knew Carney was in Canada, it was worth a shot. I got very friendly with Pat Quigley, the bassist, and asked him to accompany me out to Santry, the last place where we knew Carney had been. We stood in the middle of a green and he thought he saw the right house. Hello, how are you? Pat Quigley, long time no see. I used to play with Dave in the band called The Movement. Oh, yes! Years ago. That's and right. This is a chap from Kieran from RTE. Right. And uh, they're doing an interview and they want to do an interview with all the members of the band. And we're looking for Dave. He's in Canada. I know. You wouldn't have a phone number or anything like that. We could ring him. Hold on a sec. Now there's a landline there and oh, a mobile. That's great. So uh, you wouldn't know uh, Morris's, where Morris lives. Morris? Moose, we used to call him. I don't know where he lives. But no. Dave, Dave might know, would he? If he, gave he might know, ring. yeah. Yeah. I just know he, he used to live somewhere around. He used to hang around with Dave. That's right. Yeah, and he's lived around here somewhere, doesn't he? He lived over there. You don't know his second name, do if you? you? If you call over there, his sister lives over there. See the house lit up? The, the one the window with the light on? Yeah. It? Yeah. Over there. Yeah. That's his sister. Right. Okay, I'll do that then. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. You're welcome. See you again. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Hello, how are you? Uh, Pat Creeley is my name. I'm looking for Morris. Remember Morris used to play the guitar with Dave? Carney. Morris Long. Morris Long, yeah. Next door. Is that where he lives? Well, he doesn't live there, but uh, his sister, sister lives there. Is it? Okay, thanks very much. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers, lads. <laughs> Morris Long. Yeah. There we have it. The moose. Has a name. Hello, how are you? Alright, how's it going? Um, could you speak to your mother for a minute? Yeah, hello. Well, that's what's down there. Hang on, I'll get another Okay, thanks. (laughs) 
Hello, how are you? Pat Quigley's my name. I used to play with Mars. Oh, go yeah. away! Yeah, years ago. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, the you know. name, the name doesn't ring a bell. The movement, no. in the movement. Yeah. Oh, the movement, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. God, the movement, that was some... Uh, some oh, treat that yeah. there, isn't it? Is it down there? <laughs> would, you, would you know, only since... Tonight is the first time I, I ever knew a surname. Really? Never knew, I always called him Moose. Moose, Moose. that's <laughs> right, yeah, that's right, yeah. Everybody called uh, him that, yeah. Morris Lauren, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Isn't it it's fabulous, though, to have it to... Uh, to look back on it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I remember going to see him. I remember going to see him playing. But I got such a surprise when you said the movement. Like I'm kind of thinking I'm way back. Yeah, back in the go go. <laughs> <laughs> As we left, um, with the problem the solved, I had one question left for Pat ah, Quigley. We see you again. Thanks listen, very much. Thanks. Lovely meeting you. I brought back a lot of memories. Take, just take your phone number there so we let you know when the program's yeah. on. So there we are. A great night, John. Hmm? And after 40 point. years, you actually find out what the rhythm guitarist's name actually yeah, is. Yeah, 40 years. Christ, huh? well, well, there we go now. That's the end of an era, isn't it? And Morris or Long? That's long, a, Morris it, Long. Does that ring any bells? Morris the Moose Long. Morris the Long Moose. <laughs> so, oh well, waiting until the rest of them is now. They'd be very surprised. I wonder how he got that name, the Moose. But like any good story, it doesn't end there. And for the first time in almost 40 years, the two men met the next day. How are you? Deuce. How are you doing? I haven't changed a bit. You still love my fellow Luke, has Yeah, don't you start. <laughs> Who are you, anyway? Not bad. The last time I met you was about 20 years ago, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, around that, yeah. In Slattery's. Mm. It was, I was playing that night, I think, if I remember. And I was down at the bar, and you were sitting there with a few friends of yours. Who were you playing with? It was a bit the Charlie Beggerman at the time. No, we were Rob Strong was playing, you were watching them. I was with them. Were you? Yeah. With them. And who are you, anyway? So long, 20 years, I'm not really. Yeah, as mad as a hatter. Are you still working on the Post and Telegraph? No. No, we jacked it. What are you doing now? Taxiing. Yeah, no. Yeah, taxi driving. Like yourself. We're all farming. Just the old man's mound, isn't it? That's sad. That's sad. Yeah. And everybody would have just called you the moose. Mm. I saw a record sleeve. Mr. Moose. Mr. Moose. But I actually saw a record sleeve. We are down. It's just as moose. That's it. Mm. Mm. Um. So did, did you just explain that? Did everybody call you that name, or were you known all around town as by the, as the moose at the time? Yeah, but we started playing when we were kids. We used to play cowboys and Inns with Dave Kearney, and um, I always wanted to be the outlaw. And Somebody called me the moose, I was always the moose. That's basically it, it's very simple. And then from what's all this moose crap? Was this because that's what I was trying to track you, and that's the only. You think it was going to look like a moose? Was, yeah, I was asking, I was ringing up taxi. You got some surprise, and you saw Brad Pitt walking yeah. in here, didn't you? <laughs> so, lads, is there any chance of you guys reforming now? Don't think so. Uh, what do you think, moose? We can make money on the. Uh, 
Is it wheat farming? Well, I don't know. The, the Norsenham circus and it's an opening there. Yeah, you have to accept This haircut I've had me now, this is the first haircut I had in 40 years. You got hair? It's still there. It's always a week. Oh, did you, did you see your top? Well, look at your own head. But, uh, no. Jesus. But uh, concerning the movement, did you ever think about bringing anybody up over the 30 years or whatever that you hadn't seen them? Or was it just due to see it as a, f- a story and that was it ended? Uh, well, sort of. I mean, if, I, if I had run into them in, in a course of... Over the years, man, I don't talk to each other. No, not really. You just, it's like um, you move to a different part of the city and your neighbours, you don't see them again type of thing, you know. That's, that's about the size of it. Yeah, you always think about it, though, because it's a very enjoyable time. And what do you think when you look back on it? It was the best time of my life. Great times, you know. What was great about it, though? I was young. Loads of energy. And it was innocent. That's the best thing about it.